Normally we read Luke chapter 2 as it relates to the Christmas story. I'm not going to read the Christmas story per se again, but I do want to read about a couple of characters that get very little attention following the birth of Christ that I believe speak into our lives now. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 25, it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, by the time we find him in this story, was well advanced in years. And most of his life, if not all of his life, he had been a devout Jew. And in particular, the scriptures tell us that he was waiting anxiously and expectantly for the consolation of Israel. Now what that means is, the Old Testament prophets had prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years that there was a day coming when God would send his anointed king the Messiah. And when his anointed king would come, he would restore God's rule, God's desired favor over those who would trust in him and as they saw it over, over Israel as a people. And hundreds of years had passed and in the course of those hundreds of years that had passed, they had experienced captivity and bondage. They had experienced heavy taxation and poverty. They had experienced pain and sickness and disease. They had experienced persecution like very few peoples on the face of the earth have ever to this day experienced. And there were all kinds of reasons for them to give up and to quit. And as a matter of fact, many of the Jewish people by this time had already given up on the promise of a Messiah, of an anointed king who would come and restore and deliver and renew the hopes and the promises of the people of God. But Simeon never gave up. Matter of fact, he was in the temple continuously seeking God and praying and expectantly waiting for the Christ. And Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's a title. It means the anointed one, the promised one. The prophet Isaiah had said, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which interpreted means God with us. And we talked about that, and we've celebrated that over this past weekend, that God came and stepped into human flesh, that God came to set things right. God came to restore what man had lost and given away in the Garden of Eden. All the way back to Genesis, when Adam and Eve had fallen to the temptation of Satan through the serpent, there was a prophecy given by no less than God himself who said that the seed of this woman will destroy the serpent, will crush him and destroy him. He said the serpent would bruise the seed of the woman's heel, but the seed of the woman would destroy and literally crush or obliterate or destroy all the power of the enemy. The Bible tells us when Jesus came, that he came for the purpose. He was manifest so that he might destroy all of the works of the devil. And when Jesus on the cross said the final three words, it is finished, and he gave up his last breath, it was testimony to the fact that he had completed what his purpose was. He had fulfilled his mission. And his mission was to destroy all of the work of the enemy. And that's what Simeon was waiting for. He was waiting for someone who would come. He was waiting for the promise. But while he was waiting for the promise, he was just and devout. That just means he was righteous. Devout, mean he was, devout means he was diligently committed to the ways and the things of God. Now, I say this is important for us today because as we close out one year and head into another, there's no doubt in my mind that across this room today, there are all kinds of people, all of you in this room have had promises that you feel like God spoke to you. Not only do we have promises that are general promises that are given to every Christian in the book that you can absolutely stand on, 
But even though you're standing on the promises of the book, you may not always feel like you've seen the realization of them in your practical day-to-day lives yet. But on top of those promises, probably most of you in this room, if not all of you, at one point in time, have had what you feel like is a promise from God. Something that God's spoken into your heart. He may not have given it to everybody else. He may not have given that specific promise to anybody else. But He gave that promise to you. You know that He spoke something into your heart at one point in time. It may have just been recent or it may have been decades ago. There was something in your heart that you just knew that you knew that you knew that God said. And that God was going to do. And maybe for a little while that promise fueled your devotion. For a little while, you just ran on that promise. You lived on that promise. You served God because of that promise. And it didn't matter what the enemy brought against you. It didn't matter what the attack was against your life. You were able to look back to that promise because it was so recent. And it was so real. And you still felt the power of it. And you were able to keep going. But if that promise was made a long time ago, and you still haven't seen the fruition of it, sometimes the enemy tempts us with doubt and discouragement and dissatisfaction, and disappointment, and disillusionment to just give up. To decide, well, maybe that one God after all, maybe it was just me. Um, maybe, maybe I misinterpreted what I, it seemed right, it felt right. And boy, it sure did encourage me and empower me to do right for a long time, but, but maybe it was just me. When there is a delay between the promise and its fulfillment, it always gives the enemy time. To bring discouragement. I quoted the verse to someone, I believe it was to Valida a little while ago when we were praying. John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That means every single time the devil shows up, that is his purpose. There is never, ever a time that the enemy ever shows up in any of our lives just to observe or just to listen or just to watch or just to hang out with you. Every time the enemy in his crowd shows up, he's there to steal. And if we allow him to steal, then he will kill. And if we allow him to kill, then he will destroy whatever God has promised to us. Now, I say allow because the only ground that the enemy is able to truly take... Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. The enemy can attack you in any area he desires. He can attack you in your health. He can attack you in your finances. He can attack you in your family. He can attack you in your relationships. He can attack you in your workplace. He can attack you in your mind. He can attack you in your emotions. The enemy can attack you anywhere. But he can't keep any ground in your life unless you allow him to. Why would you say that? Because Jesus showed up to destroy the works of the devil, and he did. Colossians, I believe it's chapter 2, talks about how Jesus, through the cross, stripped Satan of all of his weapons. The Bible says, literally uses this word. It says that Jesus utterly and completely humiliated Satan, destroying him on the cross. That's what Jesus did. Now, see, here's the thing. None of us would do this. There's not a Christian in this room who would go around and every time you are attacked with sickness or discouragement or doubt would say, Jesus, please go back to the cross. Please go die again for me. Please. Please, Jesus, would you go back and let them beat you again for me? Please. I'm I'm hurting and I need you to let them beat you again. You said, by your stripes I'm healed. So please, it didn't work. Go back. None of you are going to say that. Do you know why? Because you know something. You know that it took the first time. When Jesus took the stripes on his back, the Bible says by those stripes we were, were, were healed. You know, there's an interesting little phrase in in Isaiah chapter 53, prophetic of what the Messiah would do. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised, bruised, bruised for our iniquities. Do you know what a bruise is? A bruise is when there's a wound, an inner wound. So not only did Jesus suffer 
and take the punishment that brings healing physically in the outward man. Jesus suffered and took the punishment for the pain and the disease we have in the inner man. So not only did Jesus finish the work by purchasing our healing physically, He finished the work by purchasing our healing mentally and emotionally and relationally and in every area of our life. And we don't have to pray a prayer like, God, go back and do it. Jesus, would you do it again? Because we know He did it right the first time. So the reason I say Satan can't keep ground unless we allow him is because you as a Christian have the upper hand over the enemy. You're not trying to get power over him. You already have more power than you could ever begin to realize because of what Jesus has already done. That's why the promise of the Messiah so captivated the Jewish people. They knew that when this promised one came from God, everything in their world was about to change. But here's the thing. The bigger the promise, the easier it is to get disappointed and disillusioned in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. And let me say this. There is almost always a gap between the promise and the fulfillment. Because, you see, here's the thing. It's that process, that journey between what God, God has said would be and what is right now that's where we learn to know Him. That's where we find intimacy with God. That's how we learn how He ticks and how He works and how He thinks and how much He loves. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm pretty sure I could. And there would be all kinds of hands in this room go up. How many times you've been in the middle of a difficult spot, you felt alone, you felt afraid, you felt undone, and in the middle of the night when no one else was around and no one else would listen, you cried out to Jesus, and somehow supernaturally, before your problem was ever solved, peace came because of the presence of Jesus that enfolded you. And it was in that moment that you learned something about God that I'm telling you, you would never be able to learn any other way. So the process is important to God. So for hundreds of years, the Jewish people waited and many of them gave up, but not Simeon. While he was waiting, he was righteous. While he was waiting, he was committed. And while he was waiting, he listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him because he waited on God, because he stayed in the presence of God. And it was actually the Holy Spirit that spoke to him and said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Now, can I tell you something? I bet if he ever told that to anybody, there were all kinds of people who laughed at him. I'm sure there were tons of people, friends, who doubted the promise. So don't be discouraged if people doubt what God's told you. Well, let's just be honest. God didn't tell them. So, I mean, how can you expect? Certainly, as Christians, we should be quick to believe what God says. We should not be slow to believe in the miraculous. However, if God didn't tell you something, it's kind of hard to totally get your mind wrapped around what God's telling someone else. But I would rather be a supporter and an encourager of a word from the Lord than someone who tries to tear down what God is telling someone else. However, if you many people don't care. And if they don't understand it, they're going to scoff at it, they're going to laugh at it, they're going to discourage you, but you can't let that cause you to give up on the promise of God. Simeon had been told, and he was an old man by this time, he had been told that you're not going to leave this planet until you see the Messiah. And so every day Simeon got up. <laughs> I think every day that he didn't see the Messiah, he knew, well, today's good. Going to be fine today because I'm not leaving until I see the king. And so every day he got up and he waited. I think that by this time, looking at his prayer that he prayed, I think by this time Simeon was old enough that he was actually tired and ready to go home. Because he actually said once he saw the king, he said, now your servant can depart in peace. I think he was ready to leave, but by this time in his life, he was old enough, he was saying, maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. But no matter his heart, he never gave up on the promise of God. And every day, I believe he went to the temple thinking, maybe today. But what's key is verse 27. On this specific day, he came... This little phrase says, by 
the Spirit into the temple, and he happened to come at just the right time when Mary and Joseph were bringing the baby Jesus in to be dedicated. Just happened to show up and run into them. Out of the many, many people who would have come to the temple today, he just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Why? Not because of luck, but because of the Holy Spirit. See, here's the thing. A lot of us, when we get discouraged because we haven't seen the promise of God fulfilled quick enough in our life, we stop listening. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why we stop listening it's because sometimes it's hard to keep listening and keep believing. Sometimes it's easier to just give up and let whatever happens, happen. Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes the main thing we want after we've really been seeking God and really going after God and really been believing God and it's been a spiritual struggle and spiritual warfare to hold on to the promise of God, sometimes all we want is to settle back into normal. Sometimes all we want is just to kind of, let's just breathe a little bit because ever since I really started seeking God and God started speaking to me, it's been one attack after another. Ever since I started hoping and believing in the Word of God, it just seems like literally all of the power of the kingdom of hell has broken loose against me and against my family. And Lord, maybe I can just kind of settle in in 2018 and just be a normal Christian. Nobody else seems to be as worried about finding your will and your prayers. Everybody else seems to just be floating along and they seem to be fine. So maybe... maybe Maybe I'll just kind of float along in 2018. It seems a lot easier that way. And at least you don't get disappointed so much because when you're really seeking God and you're really expecting God and then it's not happening as quickly as you want, it's easy to get disappointed. Simeon wasn't like that. We don't know how many years had passed between the promise and this day, but my guess is it had been at least decades. But that day Simeon was still waiting. And that day he was still listening. And that day that same Holy Spirit who had spoken to him so many years ago and said, you're not leaving this planet until you see the promise, spoke to him again and said, go to the temple now. Now it would have been easy to say, why? What's the rush? But the Holy Spirit said now. And the thing about Simeon is he knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something, and this is important. didn't really plan on saying this, but I want to say it. One of the biggest problems with the modern-day church is that we don't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. We recognize every other voice because there are thousands of voices floating around in the air, and we tune in to every other voice, but we're not tuned in to the Holy Spirit. And see, here's the problem. Had Simeon not known the voice of the Holy Spirit and tuned in, he would have missed his moment. And it would have been easy for him to blame God and say, well, there it is. See, God made a promise and it didn't happen. No, God made a promise and it happened. But if he would have missed it, it would have been because Simeon wasn't listening. You see, it's not enough to just listen once. <laughs> you got to listen every day. It's not enough to just get it right once and obey God today. You got to obey God again tomorrow. It's not enough just to make one big commitment and say, Woo, here I am. Well, that may be enough to get you saved, but if you're going to really walk in the presence and the power of God, tomorrow you've got to be willing to make another commitment. You've got to be willing to say yes to God. You see, those who really see the power and the promise and the move of God in their lives are the ones who learn to say yes to God every time He speaks. They're the ones who learn to say yes to God every single day. Simeon was one of those. The Holy Spirit spoke. He said, Go now. And Simeon moved. And he just happened to come in at the same time Mary and Joseph were coming in. And he saw the promise. Now this is important. He took the promise up in his arms and he blessed him. Now understand, this is God in human flesh. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the promised one. This is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. This is everything he had been dreaming of. Everything he had ever prayed for. Everything he had ever wanted. God had sent him and he was in the form of a baby he could put in his hands. Be careful about having your own ideas about what the promise will look like because sometimes you miss it. It would be real easy for someone like Simeon to see that baby and say, wait a minute, he's too small. I didn't see it coming about like this. He's just a baby. Well, I can hold him in my hand. But you know what? Very few people, when you get to heaven one day, 
<laughs> uh, this is so strange, it's going to be hard to wrap your mind around it, but, but think about this. When you get to heaven one day, there are very few people who you can go talk to who actually held God in their hands. But Simeon did. Oh, I know, that's hard to wrap your mind around, but get it. And do you know why he did? Because he listened to the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about holding God in your hand. You'll never control God, but get this, understand something. If you want to hold the promise of God in your hand, you want it to get out of the atmosphere, you want it to get out of just that, you know, just space somewhere, you want it to get out of that forever, someday, tomorrow realm, and you want to actually hold it, it may not look like what you thought it would when you get it. may be so small. See, most dreams, most visions, most promises, when they're fulfilled, they come in an infant state. It starts out with a seed. It starts out real small. So many times when God starts moving on something in our life, many times we miss it if we're not really listen to the Holy Spirit because it's so small. It's just one little thing, one little difference, one little shift, one little change in the atmosphere. One, one little bit of... Th- I've told people years, years ago, somebody told me, and I learned to do it when we were going through difficult times, learn to celebrate the smallest victories. It'll keep you sane. Learn to celebrate the small things because God's in those. You see those small little victories that are barely discernible? That means that God is at work. You see, God's very different from us. See, we get impatient. We want to have the whole cake right now. But God understands if you're going to have a good cake, you've got to build it with good ingredients. And so He's willing to put all the time in that's necessary so that when everything's finished, it's going to be right. And so when Simeon heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, he obeyed. And he held the promise in his hand. And he lifted him up and he blessed him. And he says this in verse 30. My eyes have seen your deliverance. My eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your healing, your prosperity, your magnificent love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your wholeness, your restoration. My eyes have seen it. Now, I want you to understand something. When he says that, Israel's still under Roman rule. Pilate's still in Jerusalem. Herod's still the puppet king. The Sanhedrin is still in charge, and they're still corrupt. When he says that, they're still so heavily taxed that the people can hardly survive. When he says that, they're still crucifying people all the time. When he says that, they're still basically a captive people with no end in sight. But he says, that's okay. My eyes see your deliverance right here. It's just in infant form, but I'm holding it. I'm holding it. Some of you don't realize you're already holding your promise. You're already holding your answer. It's just in infant form right now. See, all around you, it feels like you're still in bondage. All around you, it feels like you're still in pain. All around you, it feels like everything's still upside down. All around you, it feels like everything's still messed up, but you already hold the promise. Now, if your eyes can just see that, it'll change everything. I just said something important, not because I said it, but because that's important for you to hear. If your eyes can ever just see that, it changes everything. See, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And all of us are wanting to walk by sight instead of faith. But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. People say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. Then you're going to be waiting a long time. But if you can begin to believe it before you see it, it's just a matter of time. He said, I've seen with my eyes your salvation, your deliverance, your restoration. I don't know how it's all going to flesh out. I don't know how it's all going to work. I I, I don't know what's going to happen as this child grows, but I know that the promise has come. And Simeon says, you know what? That's enough. I can depart in peace now. I, I can leave here and have peace because I've seen the promise. Last thing he says in verse 32 He says, this promise, this child will be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And this child will be the glory of your people, Israel. Revelation and glory. Revelation and glory. God still desires to bring revelation and glory into our lives through the person and the presence and the anointing of Jesus. 
I'm going to tell you something. There's enough in this word that it will absolutely transform everything that's going on in your life if you can get revelation from it. But you don't get revelation from the word of God by just kind of grabbing a five-minute reading program once a day. That's good as far as it goes. But you've got to dig into this book and ask the Holy Spirit to anoint and equip you to understand exactly what he put in there for you on a given day. And when you will take the time to get into the book until he absolutely lets the book get into you, then revelation will open your eyes and that revelation can change your life. You can see things before everybody else sees things. Don't expect people to understand you because when you see things before they do, they're not going to get it. That's okay. Don't get mad at them. You just go ahead and live with joy because you see what's coming. But he brings revelation and he brings glory. Glory is translated in many places as kabod, which means the manifest weight. So when he's talking about the glory of God, he's not talking about just something where you sing about and preach about and talk about and read about. He's talking about somebody that set, something that settles on you in a way that's felt and noticed and recognized. I've said this before, if you've been here a long time, I, don't, I wish I could remember the lady's name, but I don't. My dad used to work at a Christian retirement village when I was 12, 13, 14. And that was a time when I was seeking God in depth. God was really working in my life. I knew then that God was calling me to ministry, and I was spending time in the Word and prayer. And One day we went out to visit the people, and there was this one really dedicated prayer warrior Christian lady that Dad always talked about. It's always so nice, and wanted, we all wanted to make sure to go visit her, and I'd never met her before. But we went, and we talked to her, and she looked at me, and I'll never forget it because I felt it. It wasn't just something that she said. It was something that I felt. I'd never met her one time, and she looked at me and says, I see Jesus all over you. And when she said, I see Jesus all over you, I felt that. It wasn't just because she said it, because anybody could have said those words, and that would have been nice to hear for anybody who was trying to follow God. But what made it so special, and the reason I still remember it, is because she carried an anointing that was felt. She carried glory on her life. She wasn't just talking about Jesus. She carried the weight of who he was, so much to the point that those words still stay with me. I was 14. Today I'm 49 and I still remember it and I still feel it when I talk about it. And that's the kind of glory that I want on my life. And when you harry that kind of glory, and that's what Jesus came to give you, you not only does the, the revelation of God and who He is changes you, the glory that He places upon you changes everything else around you. And that's what God wants to do in our life. And if there's one thing the church needs going into 2018, that's it. I know a lot of people are discouraged. I know a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are confused and stressed out going into the new year about all kinds of different things. I understand that. But I want to tell you something. I'm not. I said the same thing last year. I'm saying it again. I'm not stressed out. I am not worried. I'm really very, in a very small, not even really very concerned about a whole lot of things. Well, don't you watch the news? Every single day. But there's just something I feel way down inside of me. You see, I believe that God is doing something, and, and I don't see it. But you see, it's one of those things that it's in its infant stages. It's not reached its full height and weight yet. It's not reached the fullness yet. It just starts kind of like a seed. There's a seed being planted in the earth. It's, it's born on the wings of intercession and prayer through the body of Christ around the globe and particularly in this nation. It's born on the wings of a newfound desire to study the Word of God and allow, instead of us reading into the Word of God what we want, allow the Word of God to read into us what He actually says and transform and change our lives. It's a willingness, I believe, and I forecast this. I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you, I believe the days are coming back to the body of Christ again where we're going to be so hungry for the presence of God and a move of God and the life of God where we're going to simply look at the word and when it says it, we're going to say, that's not me, I need to change. God, I let it go now. God, change me however you want to. 
See, that's the way the body of Christ used to work. I remember that. Now we found reasons to excuse and, and right away everything, but I believe it's coming back to a place of what I call holiness, a place of what I call, and it's not about the way we dress. Or the way, it's about something inside of our heart that says, God, you are more important to me than anything on the outside of me, and if something inside of me doesn't line up with what you say, God, take it now. I don't want it. I lay it down. I believe that's coming, and when that comes, one of the biggest stumbling blocks and hindrances to the move of the power of God in the church of America is going to be removed out of the way and we're going to see the New Testament church be the New Testament church in this nation again. We're going to have revelation which is going to transform the way we see him and then we're going to have glory which is going to transform the way everything happens around us. And But the first thing we have to do is recognize it even when it's small. Because if you don't recognize it when it's small you'll give up too quick. You'll get discouraged. There's going to be a lot of Christians over the next few years after God begins to do some powerful things. They're going to kind of be catching up. They're going to be on the outside looking in because they gave up too quick. They got tired of waiting. They weren't like Simeon. I encourage you as we head into this new year, we need to be more like Simeon because God is doing a great thing. I'm going to close this out. Verse 33, it says, Joseph and his mother marveled at the things that were spoken to him, and Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, speaking to Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I want you to notice something. When the Holy Spirit is speaking, he always tells the truth. And the truth is not always comfortable. Matter of fact, I'd be very careful of somebody who tells you everything you want to hear and then says, thus saith the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to do things that are visions in your heart. He can say some good, encouraging things to you because that might very well be what God's wanting to do. But if all you ever hear from God is how great you are and how wonderful you are and how great your vision is and how wonderful your vision is and how wonderfully pleased God is to do that, I wonder what happened to Isaiah who said, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the un people of unclean lips, but I have seen your glory. I wonder what happened to that. I wonder what happened to the, well, that's Old Testament. Well, I wonder what happened to the apostle John, who, who when he saw in heaven the great glory of God, fell at the feet of even just an angel like a dead man, and he had to be lifted up. I, I wonder what happened to someone who, like Peter, when Jesus showed up, said, Oh, be, get away from me, Lord, for I am unclean. I wonder I wonder what happened to those type of responses to the glory and the presence of God. Our response many times to what we think is the glory and the presence of God is how good I am, God. Lord, you make me feel good. What we want in church now, we've become like a self-help club. We just want to feel better about ourselves. Let me tell you something. That's okay as far as it goes. But if what's wrong with yourself is destroying you, the worst thing anybody can do is make you feel better about what's already destroying you and eating you up from the inside out. And God will not do that because he loves you too much. When you get the word of the Lord, it's going to be the truth. Notice that he said this child is destined for the falling and the rising. There's going to be some who are going to embrace the work of the cornerstone, this rock that you hold in your hands. There's going to be some who are going to embrace him and believe him, and to them he's going to give the power and the authority to become the very children of God. They're going to be delivered. They're going to be set free. It's a glorious day. But for some, they're going to reject him. And they're going to be crushed by him. And then he looked at Mary and he said, and a sword's going to pierce your own heart. And that was not what she wanted to hear. But she was kind of used to that because it's probably a teenage girl who had never known a man when the angel shows up and says, you're with child and it's, and it's of the Holy One and your life's about to change, honey. We all get all misty. Oh, yes, the birth of the king. Hallelujah. Wasn't that glorious? How many women in this room have ever been through pregnancy? Man, it's bad enough when you're expecting it and you want it. It sure ain't something that you would love if somebody said you didn't want it and didn't do it. Hey, we'll stop there. There are kids in here today. But hey, wasn't anything easy about anything God asked Mary to do. But Mary from the very beginning says, Behold the maiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Wow. 
What if God showed up in the room to all of everybody in this room? Do you want God to show up? Yes, hallelujah. Well, what if He showed up and said, Okay, I'm getting ready to turn your life upside down right now. Everything's about to change. Ah, them, Lord, speak to them, Lord. I'm happy where I'm at. Life is good. See, a lot of times when God says, well, I don't know that there's any evidence of any time that God showed up that he didn't turn your life upside down. My question is, what God are we looking for? I think many times we're looking for the God of modern day psychology, not the God of the Bible. But you see, God loves us so much, he knows that the only way this works is if we give him everything so he will take nothing less. And when he shows up in our life, he says, look, you can rise or you can fall. It all depends on what you do with me. And Mary, you're going to have some pain because of the promise. I'm going to close with this thought. I would hate to get to heaven one day. I know I'm getting to heaven one day. That's my home. But I would sure hate to get there and find out that there was so much more that I could have walked in and so much more that I could have experienced and so many more people that could have been helped by what God had called me to do if I would have just been willing to deal with the pain along with the promise. But if all I wanted was a promise without pain and therefore I shirked from my responsibility and therefore people suffered as a result, that would be a horrible thing. You see, Mary carried the promise, literally, within her. And she delivered the promise for all of the world. But it brought her pain from beginning to end. But it was worth it. And can I tell you something? There may be some pain. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and get real. There probably will be some pain along with the promise. Because God's going to tell you, you've got to let go of some things. This thing that you wanted so bad, yeah, that's not me. You're going to have to let go. This thing that you believe in so much, I never had anything to do with that. You're going to have to put it down. This that you're wanting to do so bad, yeah, that's not what I'm calling you to. You're going to have to go over here. There's some pain in that. Oh, and when you get there and I start talking to you and telling you what to do and you start doing it, nobody's going to understand you and a lot of people aren't even going to like it. And it's not going to be easy. You see, that's, that's often the way the truth comes forth. But aren't you glad God tells us the truth? You know, the Bible says that the Lord spoke to the Apostle Paul when he appeared to him and he surrendered his life to Christ. And before he ever started ministry, the Bible says that God showed him all of the things that he would suffer as a result of the call. Boy, that's not the modern-day prophecy we like to hear, charismatic folk. What if, I, what, if, what, if the prophet, what if we had a prophet come in here and everybody lined up and he said, okay, God wants to show every one of you everything you're going to suffer for the kingdom. Here you go. Boom. Here's your suffering. Boom. Here's your suffering. Boom. Here's your suffering. I bet we wouldn't be lined up for the prophetic blessing. But if I told you a prophet's coming in, he's going to tell you how much God's going to bless you, then we'd line up. You see, I believe in the blessing, no doubt. But you see, I also believe in the truth. And the truth is, really holding on to the promise long enough to hold it in your hands is not easy. And there's some pain in the journey. But you know what? I don't think Simeon cared the day he held Jesus in his hands. <laughs> I think at that point, he was like, it's been worth every day. Every year, every decade that I've waited, it's all been worth it because my eyes have seen your salvation. In the process of pastoring here, there was a lady many of you know, and she went on to be with the Lord years ago. She used to have us over to her house a lot. Made the best fried catfish anybody in the world ever had. Her name was Hazel. And Hazel always talked about her mama. And what a prayer warrior her mama was. Her mama was an old Pentecostal who just prayed the glory down. And she used to tell me, and when Hazel was still living, 
She had brothers and sisters. She had a big family. She had brothers and sisters who were still running from God. Matter of fact, she had a brother at one point in time. Nobody in the family knew where he even was. I think his name was James, if I remember right. Nobody even knew who, where he was at the time. Couldn't find him. Hadn't heard from him in years. But she always told me that God had given a promise to her mama that every one of her children would serve the Lord. Every single one. Now, by the time I came into Sister Hazel's life, most of her kids were serving the Lord. But then there was James that nobody knew where he was. So we started having a prayer meeting. At that time, we had that old building up, up on the hill, and we'd have a prayer meeting every Monday morning. We did it in the morning, and, and people would come. she prayed. Sister Hazel was always there unless she is sick. She'd be there, and she'd pray. And I'd be there, and we'd pray together. We had a whiteboard, and we'd put marker prayer requests on the whiteboard. And on that whiteboard, some, some prayer requests went up, and then they'd get answered, and they came down. But every day for weeks and then months and then years, James was on the whiteboard, never came down. Because nobody ever found where he was and nobody ever knew what was going on. But we kept praying. You see, we were going to keep praying because Sister Hazel was going to make sure we were going to keep praying. Because, And she would always tell me, God gave Mama a promise that every one of her kids were going to serve the Lord. And she always believed that. As a matter of fact, she even said this to me. She said, I believe that prayers live on past the grave. And even though my mama's dead and gone on to heaven, I believe her prayers are still out there working. And those prayers are anointed by the Spirit of God. And James is coming home. So years passed. And then one day, somebody heard from James. I think he had been out in California somewhere. Can't remember exactly. Well, what I do remember is this. One of the last things I heard about James, I don't know what happened after and I don't know what happened before. I don't remember the details. don't know if I was ever told. But I do remember that the last thing I remember hearing is that we could take his name down off the board because the word was they not only found out from him, but they had heard that he had gotten right with God. Now, do you know why I tell that story? Because, you see, it wasn't just a week that we prayed or a month that we prayed, or a year that we prayed. It was years that we prayed. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. and Don't get mad at me, folks, please. I love you very much. I prayed over James every day when I'd see his name on that board. So on Mondays, I'd come in and I'd pray. I'd pray for James. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of times, I'd forget during the week. I didn't pray for James every day. Because sometimes I'd forget. But can I tell you who never forgot? Hazel never forgot. And every day I know she was bombarding, if you want to call it that, heaven with James. God, where's James? we got to hear from James. God, you said, you told my mama that every one of her kids would serve the Lord. And you know what? At the end of the day, because she held on to a promise, she saw the fulfillment of the promise. Now, I guarantee you it wasn't easy. But she believed. Now, can I tell you something? I love Sister Hazel to pieces. I look forward to seeing her in heaven one day. I wonder if the Lord's going to let her cook some catfish for me again. I don't know. But I know it's going to be good. But, but, but let me tell you this. God didn't answer the prayer for Sister Hazel because Sister Hazel was just like a special, unique Christian that very few ever walked the earth. She was very special and she was very wonderful. But do you know why? It was because she absolutely locked stock and barrel bought into believing that God was everything he said he would and would do everything he said. She used to tell me all the time, and somebody else may have said it, but this is the first person I ever heard say it. She'd tell me, you know what, Pastor Lynn, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. She'd say, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You need to let something go. And you know what? She was right. That's still true. So I don't know what your promise is today as we leave this year. I don't know what God told you when 2017 started. You may still be waiting for a promise that God gave you in 2005. You may still be waiting for a promise God gave you in 1975, some of you. But if you know God gave you the promise, can I challenge you? While you're waiting, be just and devout. Don't quit serving God. Don't quit seeking God. 
Don't quit living the way God told you to live. Don't quit doing what God told you to do. See, a lot of times we're like, God, I can do anything for a little while. Now, if, if you will do this for me, God, I'm going to serve you like crazy until I see the answer to this prayer. And that's okay if it's for a month or for half, maybe six months, maybe even a year. But what if the promise tarries? What if it stretches into two? Well, then it's sometimes hard for us to keep that commitment and keep it, but not Simeon. He was just and devout while he waited. You want to see the promise? Stay just and devout while you're waiting. Well, it's been a long time. That doesn't matter. See, God lives outside of time. He knows exactly the right time. He knows when it's time. So keep serving him. Keep believing him. Hold on to the promise and keep listening to the Holy Spirit because the one thing that will make you miss the promise is if you stop listening to the Holy Spirit. So while you're waiting, make sure you're listening. And when God says go, go. And when God says speak, speak. And when God says act, act. You may be surprised one of the smallest steps of obedience may make the biggest difference in the fulfillment of your promise. One day Simeon got up and he just felt like go now. And that was it. That was it. And then when you do finally see your promise, understand, you may just see the seed of it. You may just see it in its infant stage, but even if it's in its infant stage, it's still the promise. So hold it. Believe it. Wrap your mind and your heart around it. Put your vision on it and make sure that you understand, even if it's small today. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's one of the smallest seeds that you could ever have. And yet when it's grown to its fullness, it can be something that the birds of the air come and nest in. And that's the way the kingdom works. If we'll dare to believe it, something that starts out small will grow into something that changes everything. Never give up. Never quit. Hold on to the promise of God. I believe, and I'm just going to say this, I believe that 2018 is a year of fulfillment. I believe that. I didn't, I, I'm not one to tag a year like some people do, but I, I just really sense. Now, I'm not saying every single promise God's ever given to everybody in this room is going to be fulfilled by the time 2018 ends. But in general, I believe 2018 is a year of fulfillment. So hold on to the promise of God. Be just and devout. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And if it looks a little different than what you see, it's what you thought, smaller than what you thought at its beginning, realize it's just the beginning. It's going to grow. So believe God. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God, for those who have braved the weather to come out today. And God, we just thank you, Lord, for their attentiveness as the word has come forth. And God, I believe that you are in process in our lives. You are in process in this church. Lord God, I thank you, God, that as soon as you deliver the promise, everything that's needed for it to come to pass is already there. It just takes time. Lord, you have a perfect time and a perfect place for everything, and the problem is we just don't know when that is. But God, you call us to believe, to trust, to stay committed, to keep listening, to have a vision. So God, for those whose vision has grown a little dim spiritually, Lord, you said a people without a vision perish, casting off restraint. Father God, I just pray that where vision has diminished, I pray that it would once again, Lord, come full focus. Father God, I pray that you would cause that promise, that vision, that dream that you birthed maybe a long time ago in some hearts, Father God, that maybe they've given up on. Father God, I pray that you would help it once again be revived. In Jesus' name. Father God, I pray for hope and expectation to begin to arise in the hearts of your people. Father God, I really do believe that 2018 is a time of fulfillment for the body of Christ. A time of fulfillment for the church. And Father God, I pray that we would be those people, Lord, who don't quit, but who persevere. Lord, who hold on to the promise of God. No matter what comes, no matter the pain, Lord God, we believe. So Father, encourage your people today by your word. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as we close out this year and start into another one, if you haven't at any point found a place in your life to give your heart to Jesus, to let Him be Lord and rule in your life, that's where everything begins. And I can't think of any better time to do that than on New Year's Eve. 
If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you don't have to go another year without him. You don't have to go another day without him. You don't have to go another minute without him. You can give your heart to him now. And if you've never done that and you want to do that today, or maybe you've done that at some point in the past, but you have been disappointed and you have been disillusioned because what you thought God said hasn't happened and it's been a long time and you've gotten discouraged. Maybe you've quit walking as closely with the Lord as you did at one time. But you know, you want to come home right now. You want to make that right. If either one of those things apply to you, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room? I would love to pray for you before we pray for anything else. You either need to give your heart to Jesus, make Him Lord of your life, or you want to get right with God this morning and come home. Anybody in this room, before we pray about anything else, just lift your hand. Okay, then secondly, you're a Christian, and you know God's spoken some things into your heart. Maybe it was recently. Maybe it's been a long time ago. But in the passage of time, you've grown discouraged. You've been disappointed. Maybe you're even disillusioned with God. Sometimes we even get angry. Wherever you're at, let me tell you, God can handle it. He's big enough. He loves you. You may have given up on your dream, but I'm telling you, He hasn't. Because ultimately, if He gave it to you, it wasn't your dream. It was His dream. And He hasn't given up on it. Don't you give up on it either. I believe God wants to renew and revive that in your heart today. And I believe that's why He sent this word heading into this new year. And if you need to grab hold of the dream of God again, you need to let go of your disappointment, your pain, and your disillusionment, your hurt, even if it's at God. And you're ready to pick up and be just and devout and follow Him until the promise comes. If that's you, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room? Okay. Anybody else? You know God's speaking to you, all right? Anybody else? You know that's you. There's a promise that you've held on to, but you let it go because you got hurt, you got disappointed, the wait was so long. Some of you may have even forgot what the promise was. It's been so long, you can't even remember it. That's okay, God can remind you what it was. Anybody else, just real quick, lift your hand before we pray. Okay, let's stand together throughout this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up each of these whose hands just went up. Father God, you've given them a dream. You've given them a promise. Lord, however it came forth, it was from you. And there was a time in their lives when they knew that they knew that you had spoken into their hearts. But over the passage of time, they've grown discouraged and disappointed. Maybe some have completely given up on the promise. Some may have even forgotten what it was completely. But God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would renew. God, that you would restore. And God, that you would revive that word in their hearts, that vision in their hearts, that promise to them. And Father God, I pray for a newfound courage. Father God, a revived sense of expectancy, a vision to see, even in its infant stage, that I have seen with my eyes the salvation of the Lord. Jesus, you are that. And you are just as strong and just as real as you've ever been. And Lord, what you're doing in our life may be in the infant stages, but God, it will grow. And Father God, I just thank you that, Lord, your people, Father God, who are committed to you this day, will be renewed and encouraged to hold on to the promise going into this new year. And I thank you for fulfillment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We appreciate you guys today. If you need prayer for anything particular, we'll be around as long as you need us to be. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. Have a happy, happy new year. Check out your Christmas cards out front. If you didn't check them, there may be some for you. Be blessed. No services tonight. No services Wednesday night.